What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I have special guest Rob Rogers and Gary Millett of Real Ketones on the line, and we're going to dive into all things ketogenic, uh, exogenous ketones, all that pertains to that. Um, so without further ado, how are you, gentlemen? Doing excellent. Thanks for having us. Absolutely, absolutely. Before we started recording, we were talking about uh, what the keto space was like five years ago. So if y'all want to kind of just expand upon that a little further and, and give us some insight into what brings you here in the first place, what got you on the ketogenic diet and kind of where where you're wanting to take things going forward. Yeah, I don't know. Gary, you want to start, bud? So uh, about six years ago, we, we got introduced uh, into, into the ketogenic world by a friend of Rob's who essentially ended up introducing us to uh, an amazing guy named Dr. Dominic Diagostino. You probably know Dom. And mm -hmm. during that process, we were introduced to this whole concept of, of ketones and, uh, and, and perhaps what um, he was doing with ketones uh, with the military. And at, at, at first, when we started to do some research on this, we just couldn't find anything positive about ketones. It was either ketoacidosis or how dangerous ketones are to type 1 diabetics. Or, in fact, uh, there was a huge amount of confusion between real ketones and uh, raspberry ketones featured on the Dr. Oz show. So, mm -hmm. in, in a nutshell, basically most of the people we would talk to and say, hey, we're thinking of 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 doing a master license with with uh, University of South Florida, and we'd actually already found a couple patents we wanted to acquire. But most of the people would give us advice like, "You guys are insane. This like, what is a ketone, and what if you're going to do this, the pioneering it's going to take is going to be amazing." So the early days were really filled with just a lot of uphill climbing, and on top of that you have nothing pointing to metabolic flexibility then. You have nothing mm -hmm. pointing to the fact that, you know, 100, 200, 300, 500,000 years ago, our bodies were way more metabolically flexible than the inverted pyramid was now with, with chuck full of 80% carbohydrates. So if you can imagine what an uphill battle that was, so pretty daunting, kind of, I would imagine for sure. Oh, so we, in a nutshell, I'd just say we took a leap of faith and did it. And, you know, we've never followed the normal course of things. And this was probably our biggest risk uh, in business that, that we've ever taken. So we took it on. Uh, we finally acquired the IP around exogenous ketones. And then uh, proceeded to uh, move forward, and you know, Rob and I looked at ourselves, looked at each other, and we said, "Boy, this is going to just take a huge amount of education. How do we do that?" And and that's kind of when we 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 decided maybe one of the best mechanisms at this point, because of the knowledge requirement, this is going to take, is to really see if we can start. If we could work with a, a multi-level marketing company that 
has you know boots on the ground and has the ability to um, educate people one on one because I thought you know both Rob and I thought that was what is going to be needed. And then Rob, mm-hmm. maybe you can take them through what what happened with our relationship with uh, Proven. Yeah, and I, I think just to echo on what Gary said as a <clears throat> both Gary and I are former athletes. I you know I played some pro baseball and the hard thing. You know, again, about six years ago, when we first started talking to Dominic, it went against everything as an athlete you're told. So as an athlete, you're told to eat carbs, carbs, carbs. And when you, and, and honestly, I'd never even heard of what a ketone was. So when Dominic was explaining this, it almost was too good to be true. And if it was true, why, why wasn't there something in the marketplace? So just like Gary said, it was so difficult to explain to people what a ketone was, what, what a ketogenic diet was. So we literally went out. And probably interviewed no less than 30 different multi-level marketing companies. <laughs> and we came across one where uh, the the gentleman that was running it, it was a brand new multi-level marketing company, but they just got it. They they understood what a, what a ketogenic diet was, what it could turn into. We took a leap of faith. We could have went with, a, you know, we were talking to some um, MLMs that were five, six, seven hundred million hundred million dollars big. In fact, one was a billion dollars. And we chose to go with one that was at zero. Um, but we we had faith in this group, which was called Prove It. And we we just, we, we knew that they had the energy and the enthusiasm to really get behind it. And they have crushed it. You know, so three years later, they've become a, you know, one of the largest multi-level marketing companies out there solely doing nothing more than, you know, selling ketogenic products, primarily exogenous ketones. You know, in the three years we've done this, we've come a long way. But, you know, as Gary said at the beginning, as you guys were talking, it's, it was so negative. You know, there wasn't a single person that said (laughs) we weren't crazy at all. Yeah, I I can imagine for sure. Um, Can can you kind of expand upon, because like, I'm not even aware exactly how the whole process works with when you when you license a patent for these exogenous ketones, for instance, um, you know a lot of a lot of the supplement company, a lot of the exogenous ketone supplement companies now are using the Go BHP, which I believe is the the patent, and then they all just share something similar or spin off of that, and then like how does that process work exactly? So the way that works is that Go BHB is actually uh, one of our co brands as well. So we uh, originally making these exogenous ketones was no easy manner. It took a lot of science to actually put together what a uh, a pure exogenous ketone would be so that it became bioidentical, it became uh, highly potent. And so when the body saw the exogenous ketone, it didn't see anything different between the ketones it was making and the exogenous ketones it was taking. And so the way we would go about that is once we had learned how to do that and we had built, there's, you, you want to have those manufactured. So we did a joint venture with a company in that supply space to manufacture and distribute those. And th- we're distributing those uh, under uh, a brand called GoBHB. And what that does is that under our patent, it, it allows companies who actually uh, utilize that brand to actually make weight loss claims because, as you know, uh, one of the most effective 
utilizations of ketogenic diets and exogenous ketones is helping people uh, burn fat uh, for fuel. And essentially, if they want to, they can they can they can lose a lot of fat mass in that process. So the uh, like the different exogenous ketones companies out there now, they're all using um, basically the formula the, the Go BHB within their product, and then they'll add what other whatever other uh, you know ingredients they want to to come up with their own formula, basically. And and what's the what's the the benefit of having like the prove it. Uh, MLM that you'll have and then the real real ketone just kind of marketing different different marketing strategies basically yeah I think originally it was as we said was to get because at that time again to explain what a ketone was three four years ago it took a lot of time and the only mechanism that could be you could really use to do that was sitting over a kitchen table where you were really talking to people where you could have a a room full of 20 or 30 people where you could take 30 to 40 minutes and explain you know, what ketosis was, what a ketogenic diet was. So Prove It Again did a phenomenal job of getting the word out there and explaining to people what this was. And once we saw there was validation out there, that's when we decided to go with this Go BHB brand. And then once, you know, again, if you can see and you know this, there's probably 70, 80, 90s companies selling the Go BHB brand. Once we saw there was validation there is when we came out with Cogenics and now the real ketones. Gotcha, gotcha. Do you think there, there's been any downside to having the MLM as a marketing strategy initially, like any misinformation put out there just simply because you have so many people conveying that information? You know, that that's a great question. I, you know, Prove It has done such an incredible job of staying on top of that. So making sure people understand that you can't, you know, that's the biggest thing when you're talking about exogenous ketones. People need to understand you can't continue to eat bad and have this very high sugar or carb diet. And then magically, you're going to take this exogenous ketone supplement and you're going to lose weight or feel better. That's that's just not true. So I think Prove It has done a very good job there. And of course, you're going to have probably rogue people out there saying a few things that aren't true. But I think overall, they've done an incredible job of of really telling the truth of what an exogenous ketone is and what it does. There's definitely a lot more uh, you know recognition out there. Like you know, four years ago when I started the diet, I would say I'm on a ketogenic diet, and people wouldn't even know what I'm talking about. Whereas now, <laughs> even if they're not necessarily on it, they've at least heard of it. It seems like they know somebody that's doing it or, or they have at least enough surface recollection or recognition as to what it is. So for, you know, so what's interesting is that, uh, um, uh, as, as Rob recalls, I, I decided to do the uh, ketogenic diet, just cold turkey. Just, you mm-hmm. know, so once we understood this is a ketogenic diet, this is what it's supposed to do, and this is how you do it. And... You kind of go through that stage of keto flu, which is really more or less um, nothing but uh, hypoglycemia for, you know, four, five, six days. But to go through that process is, is the start of something like, wow, this is hard. And then mm-hmm. the next part to that process was, how do I stay in it? So... What happened, and, and I just kind of logged all this transition, and here's what my experience was, is that not only was it hard to get in, but your diet became your life because you had to look at every single thing you were eating because the tolerances to knocking you out of that diet were were pretty low. And, and so all of a sudden, it, it went from, 
I didn't have any regulations really on what you're you're eating other than you try to eat clean and and healthy, right? To now I've got to really concentrate on changing how I ate and what I ate. And so around that whole concept comes exogenous ketones. So all of a sudden you now have a new tool in the toolbox of a ketogenic or low carb lifestyle to where this really benefits and helps ameliorate some of the challenges that people have in maintaining and and really developing a lifestyle around uh, ketones. So we just added this huge, huge tool to help the world do something that we'd lost the ability to do hundreds of years ago. And this is what's exciting to Rob and I is that we believe we're, you know, part of the solution in helping people once again become metabolically flexible and to really enjoy some of the insane health benefits behind ketones, which it's it's changing every day. You're starting to learn more and more every single day about the value of ketones in your diet. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, now now that I've been doing it for as long as I have, I mean, there's just there's just no looking back. Like no temporary exactly. you know, sweet tooth is going to outweigh the benefits I'm going to get from you know, maintaining a strict state of ketosis. <laughs> yeah. Well, with the exception of that little piece of carrot cake every once in a while. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but you're exactly right. There is no looking back. And, and when I look at my life on, on a low-carb ketogenic regimen versus the way it was, I feel better now than I felt five years ago. That's such a big Absolutely. difference. So I'd love, I'd love to, to dive deep into the, the science of exogenous ketones and kind of how they're taken up by the body and used um, and how if the, there is a, a difference, but what that difference may be between how your body uses the exogenous ketones versus that of the endogenous ketones. So if y'all can kind of flesh that out from a biological standpoint, I'm all ears. Okay, so I, I think what's important if we could, is kind of little lay a little bit of a foundation, if that's okay for your listeners. Um, Absolutely. The the let's go with the endogenous process first, shall we? Because that's really what happens when you go into a traditional ketogenic state, okay? That people call ketosis. So mm -hmm. the ketogenic process is really four four steps, if you will. The first step is is lipolysis, that's the breakdown of, of lipids into triglycerides and glycerol. Uh, the second process is the utilization of those triglycerides in a process called ketogenesis, and that's the process by which the, um, the triglycerides are really turned into ketones, if you will. The third process is the fact that those are then taken from the liver, dumped into your bloodstream, and that state is called ketosis once your blood level reaches 0.5 millimoles per liter or higher, okay? And then the last part, which is actually the most important part, was is called ketolysis, and that's the uptake of the mitochondria uh, of the ketones that actually converts those ketones into usable uh, energy. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yes. So 
What's really interesting is what is an endogenous ketone do? Okay, so the actual ketone that you're giving the body is literally what the liver is making in the form of a beta hydroxy uh, butyrate, if you will. Okay. Mm -hmm. The regular exogenous ketone process goes from a, a chemical process called acetyl-CoA all the way down to creating what we call a master ketone or acetoacetate. And then from acetoacetate, that converts to beta-hydroxybutyrate. Does that make sense? So yes. what we're doing with exogenous ketones is we're actually delivering the body the pure bio-identical ketone of beta-hydroxybutyrate. So there's no, no even intermediate process between lipolysis or ketogenesis. It just goes into the bloodstream as a ketone. So you're starting with the process. If you looked at those four, stop, four processes, you're starting right at the ketosis level. And then that simply goes into the cells for energy. Oh, and here's a great myth for you, okay? When Rob and I first got into this industry, everybody told us that glucose was the body's preferred energy. You've probably heard that a, a million times, right? Mm -hmm. We've now discovered it's not. So the uptake by the body of ketones is far more preferable than the uptake of the body of glucose. So what happens when you ingest a ketone, exogenous ketone, regard, irregardless of whether or not you have glucose in your body, your body will uptake those ketones. And what we found through our research is that the organs that take it up fastest are the brain, the central nervous system, and the heart. And then, you know, you've got peripheral muscle, you've got peripheral tissue from there. But that is so rapid. And if you've taken exogenous ketones, you kind of know what I mean. Because once you take it an hour later, boy, you feel that energy. So exogenous ketones, so, go ahead. Is there any, um, I guess, depending on the individual's goal, is there a benefit to supplementing with exogenous ketones versus not? Like if their primary goal is, um, you know, fat loss, would they benefit from allowing their body to go through uh, you know, fat oxidation and creating their own endogenous ketones rather than taking them in exogenously. And then whereas like if their primary goal is recovery um, and mental clarity, then it makes more sense to introduce the exogenous ketones. Or is there any difference there? Wow. What a great question. Um, we've had that question a number of times and that's such a super question. I want to, I want to tell you. Um, so now let's you know, we have a couple of different patents. One is obviously for the, the use of the beta-hydroxybutyrate uh, by itself as, as, as just an exogenous ketone. And we find that you're exactly right. If you're looking for that burst of energy, if you are looking for that recovery, there's nothing really better than taking the exogenous ketone salts, right? And and getting that effect, okay? But the Diagostino patent was kind of really unique and interesting to us because it it coupled the utilization of beta-hydroxybutyrate 
with MCT in in a in a closed you know in a close coupling and when you do that what happens is not only do you get the benefits of the ketosis start out right because the ketones will be absorbed very quickly by the body but the MCT goes a completely different route and actually makes acetoacetate from there which then the body decides if it's going to use the acetoacetate or decides if it wants to use the beta-hydroxybutyrate. And so you're backing up one step. When you put those two together, you're now doing ketogenesis, ketosis, and, and ketolysis. And so the whole part of weight loss, as you know, you can't get past the 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 first law of thermodynamics, right? You can't, like Rob said at the very beginning, you can't eat like a pig and expect to lose weight, right? Right. But consider this, that once you've started that ketogenic process, right? And your body now, you've now said to yourself, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to allow my body to utilize these exogenous ketones get me past any of these issues with the keto flu, or in fact, my body's now using ketones for fuel, and all I have to do is drop the calories. And what happens? Bam, you're now using lipolysis, and lipolysis is now eating your own body fat at the same time it's enjoying the exogenous ketones, and now you have created a superior methodology for fat loss. And that's how they couple together and how they work in harmony. So I can definitely see the efficacy of using the exogenous ketones from like a recovery standpoint and also from like just a, you know, electrolyte standpoint, everything's bound with the sodium and potassium. With the, 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 the cutting, concept, for instance, somebody's trying to lose body fat, that's their primary goal. Would the exogenous ketones have any negative effect on one's own ability to create the ketones endogenously or no? Uh, they would have to take an unbelievable amount in, in order for th them to be cutting into there. The body has an, a, a unique ability to produce about 130 to 150 grams of ketones by itself. And so when you're taking exogenous ketones, you're really, really taking about 10 to 10 to 12 grams of this in, in a dose. But I think what makes our Prime D plus different is that it not only supplies those exogenous ketones directly to the blood, but it also supplies the feeder system to the liver to continue that endogenous ketone production. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a dual purpose uh, product that we've created. So the amount that you're kind of jump-starting with in terms of the exogenous ketones is only amplified by the supply to the liver to continue to build its own endogenous ketones. So that's where you get that sustainment that I think we had talked about earlier. 
and and really why people want that the longevity of their ketones they want more ketones longer than they want higher ketones less does that make sense yes yes definitely so you you mentioned the the d form um I, i'm not too familiar with this but can you kind of you know dive into the the d and the l forms of the the ketones and what that means uh yeah i'd be happy to um the Beta hydroxybutyrate, one of the ketones, is uh, what they call a chiral molecule. So that means it has basically, if you take a look, a left side or right side to it. And we call one D, we call one L. When the body is endogenously producing uh, ketones through the uh, synthesis of, of acetoacetate, what ends up happening is when the beta hydroxybutyrate is, is, is created through that process. The majority of the uh, BHB that is created is, is the chiral D molecule. And yet what we are also discovering is that the, that the body also has the chiral L molecule. And so a lot more research, of course, has been done with the the D molecule, and Rob and I call that the the energy uh, molecule. But what we're starting to learn about the L is it may have unique properties in and of itself, such as signaling and longevity in in the plasma, and it may be used in intercellularly or especially in the mitochondria as a very good uh, antioxidant in in that in that mitochondrial process. So we are investigating right now uh, what in fact L does, and so we have an ongoing study in which we will receive results in that within the next three or four weeks as to what that particular chiral molecule does. What we're suspecting is the body is being able to use the L molecule in a completely different manner than the, the D molecule. Envision a day down the road where you're going to have these various products that you can buy depending on what you want. So if you're looking for performance, you most likely are going to buy a product that might be as close to 100% D as you can. If you're looking for to what we think L will do and you're trying to say lose weight or you're concerned with inflammation, imagine a product that is maybe more geared to the L with a little bit of D in there. That's what we're going to be able to do down the road. Gotcha, gotcha. And the L is not picked up on a like on a ketone meter, or, or is it? Here's what's interesting. Um, in terms of measuring ketones, we are really behind the times. So if you think about the ketone acetoacetate, we don't measure acetoacetate in the blood, albeit it's in the blood. We don't measure the chiral L molecule of BHB in the blood, even though it's in the blood. So the only thing that the, uh, the ketone meters today, whether it be like the Abbott or the uh, Mojo, are able to pick up is just the chiral D molecule of BHB. Um, you've, you've seen these uh, ketone strips, correct? So 
the ketone strips were even, uh, were originally developed to tell a type 1 diabetic if he is entering ketoacidosis by the amount of excreted acetoacetate that they may have. As a person gets more and more uh, keto adapted, though that particular strip becomes less and less valuable uh, to a point because essentially what you're really wanting the body to do is not excrete ketones, but to utilize them. So as the body becomes more and more conditioned to producing ketones through ketogenesis or through the administration of exogenous ketones, you'll see the use of those strips com almost completely die out. I, I can't really use one of those myself because I'm, I'm so keto adapted. They just don't give you a true measurement. But again, flipping to the, uh, but the, the flip side to that is either does the blood meter. So if you're measuring one of three ketones in your blood and you really wanted to get a true measurement of what are your total blood ketones, you're not going to get that either. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I've noticed, you know, with the urine strips for me, I, I no longer get a reading. But then also the longer I've been adapted, even in the blood strips, that, that number has continually dropped over time. Um, and, and there seems to be a lot of research on it. Yeah, and I think people can get carried away with that. I think as I think it's exciting at the beginning, especially for a product like ours, to validate it. <clears throat> so mm -hmm. to have one of the few supplements out there where you can actually take the product and then have the customer quantify that it's working. I mean, that's that's very exciting for us. And as Gary said, you know, you can use that, but I think some people get carried away and use the urine strips for two, three, four weeks. You know, it's, it, it, again, it's great for the first couple of days. And then once you move to the, uh, you know, an Abbott or a Mojo blood meter, again, it's, it, it, it's excellent. But I think you're seeing people now, um, and honestly, even people in our office are doing it where they're, they're checking their blood seven, eight times eight times during the day. Um, and I think once you get keto adapted, and we've talked to people like Dominic and, and Jeff Folick, et cetera, you know, a guy like Jeff Folick doesn't even test his blood anymore. Um, but I, I just think it's, it's really exciting to people because they can actually tell that a product they're taking is actually working. Yeah, I definitely think there's a skewed interpretation of what that means, like people testing all the time. I mean, it is exciting. It kind of gives people that initial momentum to to make them feel they're on the right track because they're not going to be getting those numbers if they're eating, you know, a bunch of extra carbohydrates. So it kind of gives them some sense of security there. But I mean, like you're saying, after you've been adapted for a long period of time, you're not really getting much tangible information from that data. What about the? I mean, right now the hot thing is the the breath testing. So it's kind of seeing how many ketones are actually used. But I don't think that there's, you know much accuracy in a lot of that either. I've not personally had much luck with, you know, getting tangible data from those sources. Uh, we don't find the the breath meters accurate at all. And especially if you're doing exogenous ketones, simply because you're not going to be creating, the breath meters mm -hmm. all, all work off of interpreting the amount of acetone coming through your lungs into the meter. And then it tries to extrapolate based on the acetone, how, man, how much acetoacetate and or BHB you have based on that process. But if you're taking exogenous ketones, you're not producing that acetone. 
you're really directing those ketones to the blood and then you're and the only part in terms of ours that you're directing to the liver is is you're you're pushing in the precursors through that MCT that creates additional ketones. So the we find we we find that when especially when we match up the blood meter to the breath meter it it there's just a big discrepancy in accuracy. Is there any any way to test this on the horizon or is it just something that's just so, I mean, I, I have no idea how, how you'd be able to test it with any degree of accuracy. I mean, the urine strips, they, they die out. The, the blood strips, they're not, they're not checking, you know, the majority of the ketones are in their blood. The breath tests aren't really accurate either. Is there any cutting edge research that, that could fill that gap? Um, yeah, uh, potentially. Yes. <laughs> potentially there's, uh, you know, we're having uh, we're having some interesting conversations exactly down those lines. Because to your point, uh, we've just started learning about exogenous ketones, really. And at some point, we want to see what that interplay is between acetoacetate and BHB. And I think as we get more and more familiar with what kinds of things do acetoacetate impact, and what kinds of things does beta-hydroxybutyrate impact, we'll want to know that information. And now, especially when we are now discovering there's differences in the chiral molecules of DNL, what do those do? And to Rob's point just a little earlier ago, we see the future oriented towards specialty designed products that are able to design or deliver exogenous ketones in certain quantities to address certain conditions. I, I think the I think the, the the frontier is in front of us for sure. Hinging off of that, where do you think things are going to go with regards to the ketone esters, um, especially as compared to the ketone salts? Like is is one superior to the other? You know, I'll touch on that real quick. So I think. You know, with uh, the the work that Veach did and and Karen Clark on the ester was very exciting, and I think the ester, for various reasons, got glorified. Obviously, it's incredibly expensive, uh, very tough to flavor, although uh, it's getting better. But I think the BHB salts kind of got left in the in the head went a little bit because BHB is still relatively new as compared to the ester. But I think when people came out um, with the ester and you're looking at taking anywhere from 25 to 50 grams, which is quite a bit, um, and you're comparing that to say taking BHB salts where maybe you're taking you know, 12 to 14 grams. Um, but what we're seeing right now to answer your question is we think uh, we're seeing indications that uh, BHB salts can can take you up to as high a level as an ester. So people that were taking the ester, uh, some people were getting a reading of three, four, five, and a lot of the salts, uh, you know, were getting you up to a one, one and a half. But some of the work we're doing, we're seeing uh, that BHB salts can take you up to that four, five, six range. So I think from an efficacy standpoint, uh, BHB can definitely do what an ester does, if not even more. 
uh, without having any side effects. So that's very exciting. Would you just have to consume more of the salts to reach that same? Right now, yes, to answer your question. But I think some of the work <clears throat> that people are doing in the space, like Gary and some of the other people we're working with, I, I think you're not going to have to take as much as you do now. But again, if you sit there and took 25 grams of an ester and 25 grams of uh, a BHB salt, Today, I think we're seeing results are going to, they're very similar. Um, the big advantage is the cost of the salts is dramatically lower, and the flavor profiles is, again, dramatically different. I, I think there's another real big benefit uh, that is being overlooked that, that, that we have not overlooked when we first engineered our product, and that is the ability of a uh, the salt preparation to create a very uh, purposeful and balanced electrolyte suite. And so, if you if you really think of being able to mm -hmm. create the 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 ultimate electrolyte product, wouldn't it be great if you could take something that would not only deliver the energy profile or the signaling profile you want, but what happens if it would dissociate exactly into the electrolyte ions that that the body needs? As as you know, when you go into a low carb diet, you need more uh, electrolytes. So we pioneered and and got patented something called the quad salt electrolyte patent, where when we design our product, we have the salts of potassium and sodium together and the combination of calcium and magnesium together. Well, those four salts in combination provide a extremely powerful and potent electrolyte suite that help people with, with literally all aspects of low-carb dieting. I'm in complete agreement with you there. I feel like the you know, the electrolyte balance that you're getting from the exogenous ketone salts is, is a huge advantage. You know, a lot of people are supplementing with, with the salts and, you know, standalone potassium supplements, but the market for like pure potassium supplements is pretty bleak right now. I mean, like one of those potassium pills is 99 milligrams. You have to take 20 or 30 of those a day. Um, whereas with the exogenous ketone salts, I mean, you can pretty much knock out that electrolyte need, you know, with just a, a scoop or two. Now, with somebody needing to take in enough exogenous, you know, ketone salts to reach those higher millimolars of the ester, wouldn't they reach a point from an electrolyte standpoint that they would start to experience some GI upset by taking in that many minerals? They could. Uh, I think that's a very, very good point. I think what happens is, um, how do you blend them? You know, what is the what is what is the grass status? If you take a look at what's generally regarded as safe. If you engineer your product around that grass standard, then you're not going to get to the risk that you just described. I think the risk you described is, is very uh, applicable, especially if you're taking, say, too much magnesium or in case you're taking too much sodium. But when you really engineer those exogenous ketone salts correctly, then you're getting the, the perfect release of the electrolytes and you're, you're able to take it multiple times without any impact. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. I think I, also with the new research in the salts, it seems like they've been able to bring their, the, the required 
potassium and sodium levels down. I think if I remember correctly, the first beta hydroxybutyrate salts had like twice as much sodium and potassium as the, the current formulas. Is that right? Uh, the, the magnesium salts that we're, we have, uh, we're using right now essentially have one third less than amount of magnesium than we started. It's just a matter of we're continuing to advance and, and engineer salts. That's why it's so interesting to see different salts being manufactured. People have to be so careful as to how those salts and from who those salts come that they have the, the safety equivalents that, that we're discussing right now. Can y'all, uh, I got one more question for you. Can y'all flesh out a little bit on the 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 stance of using these beta-hydroxybutyrate salts from a recovery standpoint? I think most people kind of gravitate towards, you know, boosting the ketones and, and giving energy. But I think there's a, a lot to be said for using them as a recovery agent so that you're able to train more frequently. Yeah, I'll, I'll touch on that real quick. I couldn't agree more. So as a, I mean, real life N1, as a former pro athlete, prior to taking these, uh, the, the salts, when I'd work out, I typically work out, you know, five, six days a week. But when I would get up in the morning, I'd always be sore. And after every single workout, I'd be sore every time. And since I started taking these salts, um, you know, for the last four to five years, I can say I, I, I have not been sore a single day uh, since taking them. So from a recovery standpoint, to be honest with you, that's one of the main reasons I take them. I, I have, it's had a dramatic impact on my inflammation. Um, I'm not sore. Um, I can work out and like last night, I went out and worked, I worked out late last night and I was able to work out again first thing this morning. I, you know, prior to the salts, I never would have been able to do that. So from a recovery standpoint, Again, that's one of the main reasons I take them. What What do you think is the reason from that, like on a cellular level? I've heard that the the MCT pathways that are used in the body are the same pathways used by like, you know, clearing out lactic acid. So I guess, you know, just vaguely from what I've learned thus far, the more metabolic pathways you have in there to, you know, adopt the, the rise in exogenous ketones and, and MCT transporters, you're able to just clear out that lactic acid more efficiently. Is that what's causing that? increase or decrease recovery time? Uh, another interesting point is that when you're utilizing a lot of ketone energy, you're not building up lactic acid. Uh, lactic acid buildup primarily comes through the, uh, the, the burning of glycogen. And so I think you're starting in a better place than you were before. And I think that what's, what's interesting to see how that works is that the the composition or the uh, the fate of what happens when you use ketones to create the ATP versus when you're utilizing glucose to, to create the ATP, you just don't get the same buildup. So it it could be a factor, you know, a mitochondrial factor of quicker evacuation, but it might just be the fact that you only had a 50% buildup or less of lactic acid that you do have to clear. So I think from a molecular level, there's a lot of interesting things going on there. But as I understand it, the uh, it's, it's just like in terms of when we were talking about antioxidants, well, if you create less um, free radicals or reactive oxygen species, 
there's a lot fewer that you have to dispose of or influences of, of antioxidants uh, towards quenching. And I think sometimes we overlook how much more efficient ketone energy is in comparing to its counterpart and, and efficiency not on, only in energy production, but efficiency in not producing um, toxic byproduct. And that, I believe, is one of the really powerful parts of utilizing ketone energy. I completely agree. I think, you know, the longer I've been strictly keto adapted, the the performance benefits I've seen while training have just continued to improve. I mean, there's there's definitely a difference in adaptation of, you know, four weeks being keto versus six months versus four years. And the body just seems to continually improve upon that. Um, and, and from a, from an anabolic standpoint too, I mean, there's, there's been quite a bit of research indicating that, that ketones are very anti-catabolic, which we've known, but they're also very anabolic, correct? Yes, they are. Uh, that's a really great statement. You, you, you really find out it has kind of the best, best blend of being, you know, uh, anti-catabolic at the same time, because of the way they are utilized in the body, they become anabolic. And, you know, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because one of the things that we see is if, if you were able to use all of the amino acid suite that you take in for anabolic construction, then you wouldn't use those amino acids in catabolic energy production. Uh, in other words, that's where that whole concept of muscle sparing comes from, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Is there any benefit you think to supplementing with amino acids in tandem with these exogenous ketones, or does that just kind of negate the need? Uh, I think that I think that what you you probably have read and what we've kind of seen is that the need for uh, higher doses of protein go down when you're when you're really keto adapted. I think that's because the body is utilizing the uh, protein and the amino acids coming from that in a much more efficient manner. I agree. I agree. It's interesting. All my uh, carb-adapted counterparts that I compete against, they're taking in, you know, twice the protein that I am, but I don't feel like they're building twice the muscle I am. So I think I'm going to stick with my ketones mistake. <laughs> exactly <laughs> the point. That's yeah. So the the absence of catabol catabolism is anabolism, right? I mean, if you think about it, right? So the absence of of destruction is Construction. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, what, what's um, one last question for you here? What What is, you've kind of alluded to some of the things you're working on, but on a macro level with, you know, your company, the exogenous ketone, you know, industry as a whole, what is it that, that you two are most excited about from a, from a, you know, discovery standpoint and what's going to be available to the marketplace? Like what's, what's on the horizon? Well, I think where this has come, you know, in the, in you know, Gary and I, as we said earlier, I've been working on this for six years. <clears throat> and to see where this market's come really in the last 24 months is, is is really amazing. So I think, you know, I think we all agree that there it's still early. You know, you 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 talk to people again like Ben Greenfield, Mark Sesson, um, that have been in this space for so long. And we just talked to Mark and he just said, you guys got to remember, this is still starting. 
and you know, we were like, Mark, man, you've been in this for 15, 20 years. And he goes, yeah, but it's still just starting. So when Gary and I, and I are out talking to people, we can still talk to 10 people. Nine of us, nine of them still have never heard of what a ketogenic diet is or what a ketone is. But I think that's dramatically changing. You know, from a product standpoint, <clears throat> you know, you see where the salt started out, but you're going to now start seeing a lot of lifestyle products, which are already bars. We're getting into ketone bars, chips. Um, you know, the collagen market, protein market is so big. Imagine taking protein and now collagen where you can also get ketones. Um, but I, I just think you're going to, you know, the results you're seeing with people, this isn't a fad. Uh, I, th I think we're past that. I think this is something that's definitely going to be here forever. I think people are, are finally starting to realize that sugars are bad for them. They're starting to understand that certain carbs are bad for them. Um, it's a slow process. Look, man, people, we, it's not anybody's fault. You know, that's what we, we talk to groups all the time and we're like, it's nobody's fault. We were taught to eat a certain way. Now we have to be, now we need to learn and kind of flip that pyramid upside down um, and, and learn to eat the correct way. But when you see the results that are happening out there, um, it's dramatic. And, and it is not a fad. This will be here. And I think, you know, you're going to see a day here really soon in, in a Walmart or grocery uh, stores where there's big sections of keto food. We already know for a fact that's going to happen. So uh, I think this saying, this momentum is just going to keep picking up more and more. Anything on your end, Gary? I think from the science standpoint, uh, there's nothing more exciting than, than where we are right now. I think that what we're really starting to do is finally understand, rather than having a broad sweep of ketones, we're now starting to learn more and more about what individual ketones can do. And I think that one of our philosophies has always been that, uh, that it's very, very difficult to maintain all the time uh, a ketogenic diet. And I think what's going to what we've kind of pioneered into this space is this concept of continuous ketone supplementation. So it's the benefits that ketones bring that we've talked about today. What do ketones do? How does that help training? How does that help weight loss? How does that help your brain? How does that help your, your, uh, your protein and your amino acid absorption? How do ketones help us metabolically, health-wise, longevity-wise, how do ketones do that? Well, our whole philosophy is let's deliver ketones in a lot of different ways, looking at which ketones to deliver and create a really a philosophy of being able to put somebody and keep somebody into a ketogenic lifestyle without having so much stress on just diet. That's probably where the future is going, at least from a science perspective. And like Rob mentioned before, and then we talked about, we start, if we start to break down some of the human conditions that, that we face, whether it's training or whether it's type 2 diabetes or whether it's Alzheimer's or some of these other chronic central nervous system disorders, wouldn't it be nice when we can design specific 
products containing specific ratios of the right ketones to better address those particular needs. I, I think that's where the science is going. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you both. I mean, from a science and research perspective, I just continue to be amazed at what all is coming out. And it just really, you know, hits the nail on the head about how motivated and excited I am to maintain this lifestyle and, and spread the word because, I mean, there's just so much new research coming out that it just makes me feel like we're on the right track. I mean, and then you hear the success stories that people have from like a medical standpoint, from an activity standpoint, from a lifestyle standpoint. And I mean, you can't hear these stories and, and think that there's, that this isn't just a fad. I mean, unlike a, a standard fad style diet, that's just, you know, swapping around things, doing some great marketing. When you're totally changing your body's <laughs> metabolic pathways for the better, I mean, that's that's not something that's just going to die out with, with the advertising. That's something that's here for good. Absolutely true. I agree. And I think where, and I think where you're seeing a big impact, at least with us, is this younger generation. You know, you're seeing these these people that are 21 to, you know, 26, 27, that are, they're smart and, <laughs> you know, the day of the internet's dramatically different than when, you know, Gary and I were these kids' age, but these are smart people and they're very educated, they're learning. And what we're seeing anyways is these this age range is is who's buying our product, which is extraordinary. And they're not they're just not eating the same way and they're not gonna accept previous diets that were out there. And uh, and that's why I think this generation is going to be a lot healthier uh, than ours, and uh, and I, I, that's why I said this isn't a fad. You know, this thing's here to stay. I hope so. I'm I'm excited for the day when the uh, the the obesity trend and the the type two diabetes trend changes course and starts moving downwards instead of upwards. And I think this you know ketogenic lifestyle is is the best and most likely contributor to that change in trend. So here's to the the next few years hoping that that improves. Couldn't agree more. Agree 100%. Well, gentlemen, where can people go to, to find out more about y'all and, and the product and, and your company? Yeah, you, the, if you go to realketones.com, uh, uh, you'll see our total. Uh, we just spent uh, the last year rebranding the company. We just debuted that, as we said earlier, a couple of weeks ago. So if they go to realketones.com, they'll see all the new products we came out with, uh, the new rebranding. We have some new technology. We have some apps that will, people can go on and, and get an app and we'll send them recipes and messages. It's really extraordinary. So, and, uh, and we have a lot of new products coming out in the next 30 days. So very exciting. Perfect. Perfect. I'll certainly link out to that as well. So it makes it easy for people to find y'all and uh, keep doing what you're doing, gentlemen, because, you know, being on the cutting edge research and bringing products that, that involve that research to the marketplace. I and mean, that's, that's all very good. But what that's what that's what the market needs right now. We need something that's you know quality food and quality products in in a day and age where we've just been fed so much in superior, um, you know, goods. So th this is this is definitely moving in the right direction. Yeah, I want to say thank you for your uh, contribution because it's uh, it's it's folks like you that help get the word out there. And uh, without what uh, without the things that you're doing, um, a lot of this could be lost. So thank you. I certainly appreciate it. I mean, having having the this lifestyle and diet changed my life so much in a positive way, it's hard not to be motivated to just spread the word because if other people can 
see things through the same lens or similar lens to how I've learned to see them and and just be excited about the future. I mean, the world's just a better place. Couldn't agree more. Fantastic. Yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk soon. Take care.